Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. And greetings, everybody. Welcome to Keeping Your Blank Together uh, with Michelle and Scott. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, as usual, for those who've been with us before, you will see me periodically uh, look away from the screen. And that's because I'm adding people and working with that. Michelle will be monitoring our chat sessions. Uh, I'm Scott. I'm Scott Grossberg, and one of your co-hosts. Here's my co-host, Michelle Post. Hey, Michelle. Hi, everybody. Hi, Scott. Great to be here uh, again. Uh, I used to uh, wish Michelle much happiness and love while she was back in Florida, but uh, <laughs> as you, as some of you may know who are our, our regular listeners, uh, Michelle's out here on the West Coast now getting ready to pack and yeah. move back to Florida uh, for, for good uh, mm -hmm. to be with her love. Yes? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Very um, exciting so times. Early on in our discussions, actually, early on in our show, we talked about decluttering, de-shitting, as I call it, uh -huh. uh, the, 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 the KonMari approach to getting your stuff together. Kind of one of the things that we've, that led us to eventually create this show uh, was getting your stuff together, simplifying, taking a minimalist approach. How is it going for you? I am discovering, first of all, I was the most outstanding seventh grader. I found an old award. <laughs> so it, it's a mix of finding old love letters and like which ones do you keep or not, or how do you preserve those memories and and a mix of going down memory lane and then feeling like I'm ready to let go of some things. Like I did throw out that seventh grade award plaque. I don't see myself putting did it you take a, did, did you take a I picture? I did take of a picture first? of it. Yes, I did take a picture of it. So for, for those of you who don't know, early on in one of our episodes, uh, I was actually in the process of moving mm -hmm. to a new home and my wife and I were getting things together. We were downsizing the kids. We're empty nesters now, except for the dogs. And the, the kids have moved out. Um, mm -hmm. And I process, really, right? was, I was struggling. I was struggling with I'm letting go of stuff because I'm a memory hoarder. Mm -hmm. uh, and I get that. Uh, actually at some point, now that we say that, at some point, Michelle, maybe if we have some time today, uh, I'll take you through a little exercise that I do with some of my clients yeah. talking about memories. Oh, and yes. I, I, I was having a real challenge with letting go. And our daughter, our youngest, had come back from overseas, uh, Sweden, I believe, where she had learned their version of decluttering and downsizing. And, and she was explaining that to me. And I'd watched all the Kamari shows on um, HBO or Netflix Shiny, or wherever yeah. it was. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I got it. I got it. Ah. Oh. And then Michelle gave me this beautiful exercise. Why don't you share it again with others? Yes. So let's say you're downsizing and you need more space and you have something that's a precious memory, but you don't have room for it. In grief and loss counseling, we ask people when they feel they're ready to 
give away or re-gift or donate that item, take a photo of it. And that memory of the photo can remind you of that item without needing the space for the rocking chair or the grandfather clock or the quilt that you never put on the bed or whatever those things are that you're ready to let go of. It can be a great way to keep your memories intact. I have now shared this technique, the Michelle, you can keep your memories and be happy concept. Uh, I, I have shared this with so many people, uh, including my sister, who's now selling and downsizing and moving. Uh, and it's a true lifesaver. It really is pretty amazing. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, if you want, by the way, since we actually got off, onto, uh, off on that tangent, you want me to share a little exercise with you? Yes. And I'll do it with you and everybody else listening okay. can kind of follow along. Michelle, I'm going to give you a binary choice. Uh -oh. You get one or the other. Uh -oh. So these are mutually exclusive. You ready? Ah, okay. You are given the ability to go on the most amazing, spectacular, fulfilling, meets every desire <gasps> vacation that you can imagine. Okay. Except if you choose that option, yeah. you won't remember it after you've experienced it. Oh. Versus you get to go on a, eh, okay, it's good enough vacation that you'll uh, remember it for the rest of your life. Which one do you choose? Oh, that is a rough choice. Um, I don't know why I'm leaving. I, maybe it's because my memory seems to be slipping. I'm getting reminded all the time that I'm forgetting things uh, from other people that have better memories than me, but I really do love living in the moment and, and, sucking the bone marrow out of life, um, not to be a meat lover, which I am for any of our vegans in the audience. <laughs> but yeah, I think I might want the spectacular, well, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard, huh? Yeah, it's a really hard, I, th I feel like I want to live in the moment, but I kind of want to remember it. No, you get one or the other. Yeah, that's tough. A mediocre vacation. I've had some of those. I could have lived life without those. I'm going to stick with the, I don't remember it one. Okay. Very interesting. <laughs> and by the way, you and I, you and I have chatted about this before. I think we are such a good fit as co-hosts because most of the people in my life chose that option. Really? I choose the, I'll take the so-so because I can make a story out of it afterwards. Uh, that's true. That's true. You have all kinds of stories, Scott. It's true. Maybe you're um, right. You could influence me to go. Well, we, we need, I'm not, no, there's no wrong answer. And this isn't, this isn't an influencing thing, um, but it does lead to the understanding of why my darling wife got me a shirt, uh, a t-shirt that says, I make blank up. It's yeah. actually, I, I, I make shit up. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's, I, it's that whole embellishment. It's adding to it. It's the, yeah. I can re I can relive something over and over yeah. and over again. Yes. Um, so, and, I so can do that and, too. And I think it's an interesting concept in light of the relationship discussions that we're having. Yes. You know, oh, what is I, it? That I, I think I'd much rather have medium sex and remember it than great sex that I never remember. <laughs> oh. Well, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, now that I've never put, I've never put it in that context before. Wait. Yeah. 
what if, what if I what if I told you? Now I'm going to change my own scenario. What if I told you in using your scenario, uh-huh. you can have mind blowing sex. Uh-huh. You'll never remember it, and you'll never get it again. Oh, versus versus eh, sex. Oh, you can work on that. So see, things do change, right? <laughs> They do change. You can you can work on improving your sex life. And in fact, I think I don't know about any of you, but if you've ever entered into a new relationship and the first time you've had sex might have been really exciting, but but oftentimes you're kind of getting to know your partner and what they like or they don't like, and maybe you're holding back and you know, there's like a little bit of fear and you're less comfortable in, in each other's presence. So I find that good relationships can improve sexually over time. Well, it's interesting that you say that because we left <laughs> off our last show uh-huh. with, with, with an explanation of the difference between how you are feeling versus yeah. how you're thinking, right? Yes. And um, just as a quick recap, maybe you can, if you, if you are okay with that, why don't you again revisit so that we have continuity with this show, sure. uh, revisit the, when this happens, I feel blank versus mm-hmm. when this happens, I, and then you go off into the whole, I'm making shit up stuff. Okay. So a formula for trying to have a difficult conversation with someone and minimize defensiveness is when blank happens with anyone, I feel one word, feeling word, or a couple of feeling words, mad, sad, happy, glad. Sometimes you can explain why, because... And what I'd like instead of when that thing happens is this. So when this happens, I feel this. And what I'd like instead is, is this. And it's not about your partner um, or the person that you're talking to needing to bend to your every whim. It's really you owning the feeling connected to it. And then the partner can acknowledge the feeling back. And you can have a communication about how to make that preference at the end of the sentence uh, possible. Is that what you meant, Scott? That kind of recap? It, it, it is. And the reason I say that is one of the things I think listeners have heard me say before. I'm, I'm a big fan of Gwyneth Paltrow and her Goop series. Yeah. And she covers all kinds of things. And I think it's important that if we're going to talk between ourselves and we're going to be candid and we're going to do the leveling that you chatted about, that you've got to feel comfortable Mm -hmm. uh, with a variety of different things, which is actually part of today's discussion. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you get comfortable talking about these things? And I really encourage uh, listeners to go look at the Goop episode. You don't have to watch the whole whole season, but listen to the Goop episode where they actually are talking it. I believe she is a sex therapist. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong in the title that she is, uh, but it's, it's literally a discussion of how to get and help and guide women in being comfortable with their own bodies and oh, their yeah. own skin. Oh, yeah. And it's, and you know, she literally says, have you ever looked at yourself before? Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Um, now, interesting, the episode isn't addressed to men. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. that kind of episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, are you even comfortable looking? And I was actually surprised, uh, maybe it's my naivete, but I was surprised how many of the people involved in the show 
Mm -hmm. I had no idea what they looked like. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so there was a process of taking people through and getting comfortable mm -hmm. with their own body image. And mm -hmm. I, I've got to presume, I could be wrong, but in your therapy sessions, does a lot of body image come into oh, to play? Oh, yes. Um, I think it was sort of made famous by Brene Brown's work on vulnerability and shame and how for women in American society, the thing that we have from a very young age been hyper aware of is our body, our beauty, our looks, and whether or not it's good enough. And some of that comes from just issues with objectification and challenges that we have about inequality in our society. And some of it has to do with, you know, we see, uh, we see a cute little girl and we go up to her and we, oh, you look so pretty and look at your outfit. And we don't do that usually with boys. With boys, we'll go out to them and say something like, oh, what are you playing with? And what are the things that you like to do? And so simple things you can do if you know any little girls in your life is stop asking them about or commenting about how they look and start asking them what they're reading and what are they doing for fun and what are they learning that they enjoy? You know, level some of the playing field because there's a lot of pressure in the Instagram age, particularly on our millennials and our Gen Zs on image, 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 more so than um, in the 70s and 80s with the invention of the supermodel. It's just become hyper, hyper, hyper focused on your, your value is about your beauty and your body. And I've, co I've coached or had therapy with women that won't have sex with the light on because I mean, they're be beautiful women, in, in my view, beautiful women, healthy, uh, not overweight, um, and just will not even get undressed in front of their partner with the lights on or, or have sex with their partner with the lights on out of just a sense of shame or vulnerability or feeling dirty or unattractive. It's a Did huge we do that? issue Did, for women. Did we do that with Barbie? I mean, is, is Barbie partly to blame for that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, you know, Barbie didn't help the situation because she's so anatomically incorrect. I mean, at least Ken doll, you, you can see occasionally, <laughs> occasionally you can see a man that sort of looks like that. But even Ken doll is not exactly no. uh, anatomically correct. Um, and Barbie just, you know, tippy-toeing around on her permanently pointed toes um, and very tiny, tiny waist and large boobs and butt and just By the way, I, I, you know, I, I think this is the, the I, we're, we're speaking candidly here. May I speak uh -huh. candidly? Sure. And I, I, you know, I've got a poker game that I play at the house or did when, before physical distancing. Now we have to Aww. do it remotely. Yeah, you know, I've, I've got my guy friends, and I say that in quotation marks because yeah. they're all walks of life, and they come from all different backgrounds, and they come from all different age groups. I, I got to tell you, we don't sit around and talk about women's body types, yeah. um, at least the men that I'm around. Yeah, and by the way, it doesn't matter what your preference is or what, right. how you're wired, it, 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 you know, it, 
whether you're gay or straight or transgender, I am not around folks who talk about body type. And so that's why it was quite a wake up call for me when I watched this goop episode and body image became such a thing such gentlemen. It's locker room talk though, Scott. So even if it's not in your in your group, which is amazing that you have a group of gentlemen that are respectful of their partners, <laughs> um, but it's on every TV show. It's in all the movies. You know, what's that scoring that that um, there's a scoring that says if there's two women in a movie and they have a conversation for more than five minutes about anything other than a man in the movie, then they get a certain rating. It comes from the Gina Davis project, uh, her research on if you can see it in film, you can become it in reality. And the influence of, of watching like-minded figures in entertainment and its influences on things like girls entering science after CSI came out. And um, we went through that oh, with our kids, by the way. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, just fascinating stuff. So I can't remember her, her documentary, Gina Davis's documentary, but it talks all about the objectification that just is subtly out there that women are very aware of. Um, even if their own partner is not the one that's objectifying them and is a really cool mm-hmm. gentleman. <laughs> So, so how do you have that discussion? Because there's something I'm going to go yeah. through with you here that I'm okay. going to spring on you. Okay. Um, but but how, how do you go through you going back to your leveling discussion that you talk, talk to us yeah. about? How do you have a discussion? If I notice my partner is uncomfortable, let's say, yeah. or my partner is uncomfortable and they want to let me know, how does yeah. that conversation take place? Uh, the same way any of our difficult conversations take place. First of all, you want to know what your objective is. You want to practice it maybe in your journal with a friend, with a therapist, something. So you rehearse it a little bit. Look for a gentle opening or ask for an opening discussion. When would be a good time to talk about something that's maybe a little uncomfortable for me. And if you're observing something in your partner, you can say, when the time is comfortable and you're both maybe in a private space, not in front of a group, most people don't want their privacy disclosed in front of a group or out in public over coffee. (laughs) Um, I've noticed that it seems like you really shy away from undressing in front of me or um, it's, I've heard you kind of be self-deprecating about your, your body or your body image on a regular basis. And I'm just wondering where that comes from. I hope you know that, that I think that you're beautiful. I accept you just as you are. I'm turned on by you. I want you as my partner. Um, I'm just wondering if, if there's anything I'm doing to give you a false impression that you can't be comfortable with me, or is this something that's beyond us and this current relationship that, that you could use some support around? So that would be the partner conversation. And the opposite would also be true for the the other person that is experiencing the discomfort you know find a good time to talk about it share openly Um, i'm owning this Um, this is how i'm feeling if it is something that your partner is doing that's that's confusing you like maybe your partner just you know you're you're slightly overweight and your partner teases 
um, overweight people on TV and doesn't even realize that you're sitting there thinking that he must or she must think the same thing about you. So it can be very subtle. People don't always know um, where we're getting the, the signs from, but it also could just be that it's nothing a partner is doing. And it's really just, I, I'm struggling with loving myself as I am. I'm and by the way, I've got, I, 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 I take it that you see it with, with both sexes, right? Or oh, across yeah. the board. I, I guess I say board. across, across the genders. Mm-hmm. Homosexual, uh, because, pansexual. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if a lot of people know this. I lost 65 pounds. And um, because of that, because of that, I am very acutely aware of, you know, where I've lost the weight, how I've lost the weight, how I feel. Um, and I won't tell you that I've got a great self body image. Um, it's, so it's, it's, I take it that you see it uh-huh. again. It's not oh, just women. It's not just women. No, no. Um, uh, in the male gay community, there's incredible pressure to be a certain type, except, you know, there's, there's certain groups of people that sort of, um, categorize themselves as a, as a bear, which is kind of a more fluffy, um, uh, buff or chunky sometimes with usually with a beard um, and some body hair, you know, <laughs> so there's, but there's also communities where there's incredible pressure to be thin and hairless everywhere. I mean, that's an interesting shift in our society too, how we've gone to be a quite hairless society. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Manscaping, womanscaping, waxing everywhere. <laughs> That's an important thing. Ask your partner if they like that. You know, some partners enjoy hair on your body. Don't assume all partners don't want want you to be completely squeaky clean all the time. For the first time, I have no idea what what I may have Googled. Although I have a, I I think I know what happened. Okay. Um, There's a new there's a new razor that came out, and I was and I had picked it up at one of the big box retailers. Uh-huh. And I got online and I wanted to see how to use a particular attachment. It comes with like, you know, 12 dozen attachments that you can use. And uh-huh. frankly, some of it was to give myself a haircut during, uh-huh. <laughs> because during my barbershop uh-huh. still had my barbershop. So it's got all these attachments for the first time on social media. I'm starting to see manscaping ads oh, that yeah. I had never seen before. Really? And it was like, <laughs> because you bought that razor. So they're out, uh, they're hunting you. <laughs> I guess so. Um, Your I wife would like, has something to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will. I would like to shift the discussion just for sake yeah. of time. Yeah. And now that we've had this context, move it to kind of a, a crossover from what we did last time, where I suggested that people go online, yeah. and in order to come up with the words that you had just given us, like when this happens, I feel this. Mm-hmm. Um, I went online and pulled up adjectives for relationships and knowing that you're a a family and couple and marriage therapist Uh if you don't mind i'm going to throw some of these adjectives out at you okay and for those who are listening michelle had no idea this was coming Uh, no i want to throw these out at you (laughs) and what i'm curious about is how you as a therapist with all of your years of experience where you rank this these words as far as the 
healthiness, for lack of a better word. And I know it's all moving and it's nothing is, you know, this isn't going to be an exhaustive list, but I'm curious where you as a therapist look at the word uh -huh. as far as being able to work with a couple and moving forward. Does that make sense? I think so. Okay. So the first word, for example, is compromise. How important is compromise in a relationship? Um, hugely important. Um, 75% important. Oh, we're going we're <laughs> to put, we're going to put metrics on it. That's even I don't know. Okay. I didn't know what you were looking for, but I would say compromise happens in little, little ways all the time. So you need to be able to do it in little ways all the time. I think big compromises on values and life goals and things like that may just mean you're with the wrong partner, but little compromises need to happen all the time. Uh, how about dedication? Defining dedication, I would say that's important. Dedication to the same goals and to each other and the relationship. All right. Compromise or dedication, which is more important? Oh, um, my guess is dedication, because if you're dedicated to each other, you probably more easily compromise. Right. How about humor? Uh, that that would be difficult. I think that's a personal preference, so I cannot answer that question without my okay. own projection. But Fair I would enough. say humor is a hundred percent important <laughs> in my life. <laughs> I will take we'll take that because it is for me too. Um, how about respect? How about respect? That's hugely important in a relationship. Mutual respect. Yeah. Um, feeling safe. Feeling safe is important. So I'm basically giving you, because everything's yeah. important, right? Um, everything's so let, important. Mm -hmm. Let me give you the words, because I, I, okay. I get a sense of where this is going. So I, I've okay. gotten, I've got compromise, mm -hmm. dedication, mm -hmm. humor, mm -hmm. respect, mm -hmm. feeling safe, mm -hmm. willing to make an effort, acceptance, yes. Okay. great sex, Yes. patience, mm -hmm. uh, being silly. Yes, and fun. Um, fun and I wasn't silly. sure whether I wasn't I wasn't sure if I wanted to put loyalty with dedication, but I think they might be different. Uh-huh. Um, communication. Yes. Honesty. Mm-hmm. Having fun. Mm -hmm. Kindness. Mm. Being forgiving. Yes. Understanding. Mm-hmm. Passion. Mm-hmm. Um, being friends, yeah. Uh, familiarity. And I know you talked about early on, you know, a new relationship, right? But mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. something to be said. I mean, I've been married now, you know, 20 years, and it's like mm -hmm. I like the familiarity, right? Me too. Mm -hmm. Um, being relaxed. Mm -hmm. Um, we something we have not talked about for for maybe another show, but you know, sharing faith in whatever it is that you do. Um, yeah. You don't necessarily have like to admiration. be religious. Well, it's just oh, okay. the, the faithful, the, you know, being faithful uh -huh. versus faithfulness, which you have uh, talked about before. Some people have open relationships, relationships. have open marriages. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, c consistency. Obviously, love. Love. Mm -hmm. uh, I have hope in here. Mm -hmm. Sacrifice to whatever degree that that is for you. Mm -hmm. um, the feel I, I I call it oneness, but I think others would call it a sense of partnership. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
self-awareness, which is what we were just talking about. That's why I wanted to use that as a segue into this. Okay. Um, and then caring mm -hmm. for each other. Mm -hmm. So I don't mean that to be an exhaustive list, but have I kind of given you a list of like some of the main ingredients that you see in, I don't know whether to call it healthy. I don't know whether to call it working. I don't know whether to call mm. it powerful, amazing, but in a relationship that is, is stable. Yes. There's an element that feels like it's missing and I can't put my finger on it, but it comes into play when we talk about fit, like fit for one another, like puzzle pieces fit together. Well, just and you don't force fit. them together when they don't fit. But when I think about things like relationships, particularly when they lead to a marriage contract that is uh, connected to the U.S. government and filed with them and et cetera, et cetera, it's, or you live together, fit financially is a very important piece of a relationship that we often overlook in the romantic comedy sense of it. You know, nobody asks in the romantic comedy, what's your credit score, but but you know, later in life, I have learned that that is a really important factor in, in dating because, you know, it's really a challenge when one partner, and so spending and views of concepts, you don't want to get into parenting, parenting your partner or your partner feeling like they're constantly telling you no. So, so I think fit is super important as well. Of, you know, of the words <laughs> of the words that I gave you, are there any that jump out as, as like, this is really important. These are the, these are, these are the things. Mm. Or while you're thinking about it, is it like a cake recipe? It's like, like you got to have all of it for the cake. <laughs> I, th I think it might be a cake recipe. I, I, cause you know, if you're, if you have a sense of humor, but no dedication to the partnership, that's not going to make the relationship last. And if you're super dedicated, but you find each other boring and it's not fun, <laughs> that's not going to last either. Um, unless you both, uh, you know, find each other's simplicity fun, right? Because each view right. of everybody's view of that. So um, I don't know if anything in particular stands out to me it feels more like a cake recipe. So how do we, we take a relationship and help mm -hmm. listeners right now? Mm -hmm. They're in, we'll call it lockdown because everybody's getting you know, all the states are going through different forms of now social and physical distancing again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we haven't gotten rid of the first wave. So they're still talking about the second wave. It's like, really? I know. <laughs> um, we're now going through all kinds of craziness. A friend of mine literally just posted of some, some unbelievable things that happened in the restaurant to some Asian friends of his oh. uh, with, with somebody screaming at them and calling them names. And oh, no. It wound up with them being the other person being thrown out of the restaurant, all, all on social media. Oh. And, you know, we, we're living in this very stressful time kind of what the show is about, right? Mm -hmm. How can we take all of these elements, this cake recipe, mm -hmm. and help our listeners figure out what cake they want to make? Mm. You ask such interesting questions, and they're so philosophical. Yeah. Um, well, I guess my best way to say this is 
know thyself. If you don't like chocolate cake, don't try to have a chocolate cake relationship. If you want to, what was it in The Mastery of Love by Don Miguel Ruiz? He said, if you want a dog, don't go to the pet store and pick up a turtle and then get mad at the turtle that it's not a dog. It's a turtle. So I think that's also important is honor, honor the person in front of you, not who you want them to become. That's always a red flag. Um, so know what you want. Do you want chocolate cake? Do you want a marble cake? Do you like vanilla cake? What icing do you want? Do you want berries in the middle? Are you anti-berry? Are you a mascarpone person or a whipped cream person? Um, know yourself and you know, look for look for your favorite cake. Uh, right? You know, it's funny that you say that because I'll I'll admit I watch Bachelor and Bachelorette. I first I just admit it. I admit okay. it. But there was one there was one season where you know they've got different fe- it was Bachelor different females were on the show and one of the the ladies uh, contestants and I get it's a contestant um, one of the contestants actually said, I believe it was to the camera during one of the interviews, you know, he's been looking at the chocolate cake and he's been looking at the white cake that I'm a freaking confetti cake. <laughs> Some people's favorite cake is confetti cake. So there you um, go. I, I do have to tell you a funny little side note. This does not need to really go anywhere. I hope it doesn't have to be edited <laughs> out. Okay. So my, my partner is making a vanilla pudding pie or something while we're video chatting and and he's tasting and he's like this isn't what i wanted it to taste like and i said well what did you want it to taste like and he's like like a lemon bar and i said why did you make a vanilla pie and hope that it tasted like but i think we do that in dating sometimes right like <laughs> like i really want a confetti cake but let me try this vanilla over here and see See if I can add some sprinkles to it over time. Um, yeah. Well, that brings us to an interesting. I, I, <laughs> that brings us to an interesting segue. Uh, what do you do when a couple comes to you and suddenly one of the the the, the couple mm-hmm. wants the other to change? Yeah, that's uh, you know, couples counseling only works when you come to therapy with an understanding of how you want to change, not how you want your partner to change. So we can't make other people change. We can tell them what our preferences are. We can tell them how it feels when certain things happen in their relationship. We can ask for their understanding. We can ask for more compassionate um, responses and maybe some shifts, some subtle shifts. But, but basically, you can't go to couples counseling expecting it to work when you're bringing your partner there and saying, he or she is the one that needs to change, not me. I'm perfect and odor free. <laughs> have you have you ever have you actually ever had a couple where one of them is odor free? Nope. <laughs> no, I have not. Um, I have not. I mean, granted, people don't usually come to couples counseling when they're in the best of places, except sometimes I do premarital counseling. So occasionally you get that, but but usually it takes a lot to meld your life with a completely different human being and expect that you're, you know, going to automatically know every, every heart's desire of theirs without discussion. So there's some discussion, but, um, you know, I, 
you can't ask, you can't do an ultimatum with a partner. Like I'm going to leave you if you don't do this, if you don't really mean it. Right. Um, and so that, that's sometimes what happens. Sometimes it does take you leaving a relationship for a person to make some changes that are serious, you know, like uh, addiction issues, getting help for addiction issues, getting help for, um, all, all kinds of addictions, sexual drugs, gambling, work addictions, all kinds of things, you know. Well, let, 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 setting aside domestic abuse, which we've addressed before, and I've put on the various show notes where to, you know, the hotlines and everything, yeah. setting aside addictions. Yeah. And, and, you know, people that are in both mental and physical danger. Let's just set that aside for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, when a couple comes to you, because one of the things that we wanted to chat about, you and I had actually talked about this, was getting people to the, to the safe place where they, they know that therapy is okay. Yeah. And so one of the things I think that you wanted to chat about, and I had raised the question offline when we were putting together the show, was mm-hmm. the different types of therapy that are even available to folks oh, yeah. so, that yeah. they, so that they get a... a we want to give you hope as a listener. We want to say, yeah. look, you know, this, this show is, is great. This show gives you some amazing, very candid discussions. We're giving you wonderful resources. And when it's time, if it's time to move to the next level, there are a variety of things that are available to you. Mm-hmm. So can you explain what, in the context of couples therapy, moving yeah. everything from premarital counseling all the way up to sex surrogate, what is yeah. available for folks? Right. So we talked about premarital counseling. You can go to a licensed clinician, which would be either a licensed marriage and family therapist, a licensed clinical social worker, a licensed psychologist, a licensed professional counselor. Those are the main ones. Um, and so why do I come to you? Why do, so you're, you're an LMFT. Yes. Why do I come to you? So LMFTs have a lot of training in relationships, relationship systems, We have some training in sex therapy. We have a lot of training in helping relationships, business relationships or family relationships, couple relationships improve. So we have a lot of toolkit around that. And some licensed clinical social workers specialize in couples counseling and they get additional training. Same thing with psychologists. They get additional training in couples work, right? But uh, even a a marriage and family therapist baseline, we have to have a certain amount of marriage and family therapy training just to get the license. And then beyond that, if you see someone who specializes, you're getting additional expertise. Now let's draw a distinction, let's draw a distinction real quick for those who may not know. A psychologist is not a psychiatrist. No, a psychiatrist is a medical doctor with additional training in brain and psychopharmacology. So they have extra years of training to be a psychiatrist. They're the only ones who can prescribe medication, doctors in general. And psychologists do a lot more training in testing, um, but that's a variety too. They also have a lot more research training. Uh, So they're a doctor of psychology, but they can't prescribe medication. And all the other master's level clinicians like myself, a, a social worker, or a professional counselor, we all have a master's degree and then ours, 3000 in California and then a year of testing and then we're licensed to practice on our own. Then you also have um, people with certain life experience who 
translate that with some particular coaching skills into couples life coaching or couples coaching. So coaching, depending on where the person was trained, typically doesn't have a degree connected to it and sometimes doesn't have a particular certificate connected to it. So you really want to investigate who this person's style is. And some therapists translate and they do both. And then you have um, a sex therapist. So that can be a person who's trained only in sex therapy or a licensed clinician who has additional training in, in sex therapy. And why do I go to that person? Um, for a sex therapist, you can, um, if, you're, if your main focus, so let me see, I, I listed this for myself so I could, I could make sure I got it right. But for your main focus, if it's concerns about sexual desire or arousal, about sexual interest or orientation, impulse control on around sexual behavior, erectile functioning concerns, ejaculating early concerns, um, difficulty with arousal, trouble reaching orgasm, painful intercourse, or intimacy issues related to a disability or a chronic condition, um, or concerns regarding past or unwanted sexual experiences. You want to see probably a licensed clinician um, that's either a sex therapist or a marriage and family therapist with training or LCSW with training in, in this area. So somebody who specializes in these areas would be ideal for you, as opposed to your main issue is communication in the couple, and it's not necessarily around sex in particular. Um, so that would be the main reason. Now, sex therapists are, are also licensed, and they are not there to have physical engagement with you that might be a sex surrogate. A sex surrogate is a person, it's a, a little bit risky in that um, in certain states, depending on what happens in the therapy session, um, because there's an exchange of funds, you can be at risk for legal trouble around prostitution. So I really don't, I don't need to ask the question, why do I go, <laughs> why do I go to a sex surrogate? Well, actually, here's the benefit of a sex surrogate is let's say you need some physical it not actual sex but you need some help overcoming the fear of being touched like just or hugged or you know being comfortable around another person's body they have ways and they're actually willing to physically touch you hug you hold your hand practice kissing so you know it's it's kind of an interesting, it's still a little dicey and I don't know how to find a good sex surrogate because it can be, depending on their limits, um, it can be really a little bit risky, but that would be the benefit. If, if, um, if you needed help breaking the ice in terms of physical contact, does that make Got sense? It. it does. Now, yeah. believe it or not, our time is all gone. What? Um, yes, time has, <laughs> has sped by and this is why we've, we've told everybody we actually, this is a multi-series discussion. <laughs> We're going to continue this discussion next okay. Monday and take it to an even, no pun intended, deeper level. Uh, because <laughs> one of the things that Michelle and I had chatted about was everything from, you know, being able to experience orgasm, being comfortable yeah. with your body, all of these things that we'll take to the next level and give you some yes. tools and tips and, and some yes. of our 
our thoughts about it. Uh, some of this, obviously, I'm deferring to you, Michelle, because this is not the type of coaching that I do. Uh, you never know, Scott. You might, become, <laughs> yeah. you might become a specialist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Um, be before we sign off and let everybody go, do you have any last-minute thoughts on the topic that we're talking about as far as just feeling safe if you can't if talking amongst yourselves isn't enough, mm -hmm. what can you let folks know about going to someone like you mm -hmm. uh, and saying, it's okay, you're not mm -hmm. broken, it's part of the process? Yeah, I, I mean, what I can tell you is that a therapist who has a lot of experience working with couples, there's probably nothing that you want to talk about that that therapist is going to shame you or or cause you to never talk about again. Um, a good therapist is, is great at creating a safe environment that's non-judgmental and allows you to identify your goals that work for you, not the therapist's goals for you, not your partner's goals for you, but your goals, what brings life and joy and pleasure to your life. Um, so I would say, it's, it is uncomfortable to invite a stranger into these discussions and a good therapist will have a way of just, <laughs> just like, just like foreplay, a good lover will kind of help you feel a little comfortable and warm things up and help you feel at home and, you know, know how to get you talking about the simple things before you talk about these more intimate, challenging things, unless you're super comfortable and you just walk right in the door and you can do that too. Uh, therapists know how to go to that place if they've done their own work around uh, couples counseling and sex therapy, et cetera. It's one of the things I love helping couples do is have good, healthy communication and sex lives. So I look forward to talking more about this. Wonderful. Uh, um, as a quick <laughs> reminder for listeners, uh, we have a private Facebook page yes. that we are inviting all of you to join. Uh, it's keeping your blank together, not, not the word blank. It's S-H uh, uh, asterisk T. Uh, you, you can find it through Michelle. You can find it through me. Uh, Michelle, as a quick reminder, how can folks get a hold of you? Uh, best way is email me, michelle at postinternationalinc.com or through my website, postinternationalinc.com. Uh, and you can get me, Scott Grossberg, through sgrossberg at hotmail.com, or you can find me on most of the social media sites. And again, uh, through our private Facebook page, and we've got the now uh, hashtag that Michelle came up with, Keeping YST. Yay! Uh, so we've got that. If you need to just find it that way, you can put the hashtag Keeping YST in there. And uh, until next time, thank you all for joining us. The replay will be put back, uh, will be up either later today or tomorrow. And I thank you guys all for being here. Thank and you Michelle, so much. Have a good one. Thank you. See you next week. Bye-bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.